The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 20. You're here for your nutritious serving and tasty Commander treat on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community and creativity of primarily our favorite format of Commander plus side serving of entertainment and pop culture discussions for ancillary influencers. Uh, I am, of course, Sam, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by, as always, Cheshire, uh, the one who's who's cheating on us for Digimon today. A little bit of put, mate. What's, a little bit of put, eh? What, what's all <laughs> this? What's put. all this no, Digimon? I think I'll have a little put. bit of put. What's all this Digimon business, Jeff? Uh, so the Digimon trading card game has been uh, revived, unfortunately, by a company I don't really trust. Um, so we'll see and how it's being goes. run by people I don't trust here in Australia, uh, because I was a founding member of their company. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I am no no longer a founding member of their company, and I think people can kind of understand maybe why yeah um so i'm apprehensive but i'm gonna i'm not gonna go all in but i'm gonna go in um not <laughs> as hard as i did with dragon toe. ball super <laughs> where i was buying like box after box um but i've got two starters on order at the moment that i'm going to pick up today at their pre-release event to get some promos uh and one of my friends maddie vatnam uh is gonna sell me a box on the cheap and yeah, this is one thing we need to talk about. Do, um, do we? We're going straight in, yeah. And, and I'm going to start with LOL Jeweled Lotus. Yeah. Right? So, Jeweled Lotus, LOL, worth so much money, LOL. I have one for sale, extended art, non-foil for 150 bucks. if anyone wants and it, And it's lol, dropping, it off dropping it. day by day. <laughs> it's dropping day by day because people are like, oh, it's just not, not as good as I thought it was. You really? Yeah. Like, in what fucking world didn't you pay attention when we said that 20,000 yeah, fucking times? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so there's a card called an Omnimon okay. in Digimon. It's like an Omnath. And it's a $400 fucking card. In Digimon. All right. That's, I, I sense volatile stuff. It's a $400 stocks. card because no one can get the boxes. Well, there you go. Artificial because, scarcity. Yeah. Because let me get closer to the mic here. Uh, because somebody fucked up on the shipping and Australia couldn't get boxes. And apparently America couldn't produce enough boxes. And no one could get enough boxes. So this one card that fits in every deck because it's not stuck to a color restriction uh, is extremely expensive because it's very good. And it's been dominating the uh, the Japanese Digimon scene for the last, like, six months. Wild. Now. Uh, yeah. That was some... Nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. Well, nostalgia, but it's also like uh, I, I often say I don't have the capacity to do another card game because I'm just a potato brain moron. But um, yeah, it's, uh, you can always rely on Chesh to kind of do the recon and, and groundwork uh, and, and see what's going on in the other things, including Pokemon, that kind of thing. But give us a field report when you come back. I want to hear what's going on. Oh, I will. And, and also, uh, yeah, just, I mean... Digimon's a name I hadn't heard in ages, and, and I'm interested to see what happens. And we've talked about a lot about the you know watching the heat death of uh, of of the universe of card games 
time after time. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll see what happens if it's, if it's a flash in a pan again. Uh, if if it has legs, who who really knows? It's going to be a, an interesting you know, one to watch. But like you say, yeah, dip your toe in, like without going head first, and like go see uh-huh. see how it goes. It's going to be and interesting. Speaking of feeling like you've been backstabbed by another card game, we've got a guest. Yeah, I was going to say good segue. So uh, I was going to say that we should probably like steer the ship back to Commander Land and uh, Magic: The Gathering, the game I do love playing. And um, yeah, we as as we've all grown accustomed to and and and. Uh, tend to do is with most of our, most of our episodes we uh we tend to outsource uh, our work to the brilliance of others as as i've said before and uh kind of guest profile the community and creators uh to to kind of uh, have this become a place to share and explore the essence of commander and explore why we play in an effort to promote and celebrate the qualities and and just kind of yeah we'd, i mean it's a long-term project of mine to, to dig into what the hell it is about these rectangle cardboard pieces that bring us so much joy and and keep us coming back so without further ado we're joined this week by a second member of the epic mtg lexicon we love these guys with all of our hearts uh, we're joined by brandon the producer of the great dive bar of EDH. Uh, I don't know any other any other introduction title things uh, we need to chuck in there, Brandon. Uh, you know, piloter of Zur, brewer of decks, uh, kind of paragon of creativity and commander is the way I see it. Uh, they they like to say that I am the commander of control. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I've, I've built like, I don't know, eight decks and so far... Uh, every everyone on the stream just says I just build control decks. Doesn't matter what color it is, it's all yeah. control. Which oh, blows surprise, my mind. Surprise. Brandon's gonna play <laughs> Nevenril. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, that's the one I want to play. It's like, yeah, it's like no one was surprised. Come on, I mean, yeah. the, the idea behind what I'm building though is so crazy. Brandon, did you build a Nevenril deck? Yeah, I. I'm brewing it right now. It's taking me some time because it's it's really Please, really it's complicated. Yeah. Please tell me it's going to have a copy of Nevenral's disc in it as well for the it, it just will. for the like lol yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course it will. But the <laughs> it's uh, all, all about flavor wins and and the like he's, idea... he's got to be like spinning the uh the the record as a DJ. So Exactly. And I'm just going to be ripping the shit. So the the, the idea behind this deck is I'm going to make persistent board wipes. As in oh, yeah. every turn, every turn or every other turn, I'm, I'm planning on wiping the board in one way or another or some sort of effect that just deletes everything off the board. And the idea is that I have enough like indestructible permanence or stuff that can stick around or that'll you know come back that it, I'm unaffected by these persistent board wipes. Oh yeah, you get. This sounds you get like zombos. the most miserable fucking deck ever. Exactly, <laughs> and, and I, I think they they printed it on the card anyway to like go, hey, this is. This is going to do some things, and uh, there's a certain quadrant of players that are going to go. This speaks to my soul. <laughs> it's going to be deep, fun. So deep, deep. Yeah, down. those those players are the ones that we would uh, pretty much just go. You're diseased. Please get out of my face. <laughs> so yeah, I think you're going to make another bad ginger joke, and then go. Oh wait, that's me. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yes. I'm a- Ginger, I don't want to make any more ginger jokes. Exactly, exactly. It's bad enough that that my hair over lockdown is going grey and blonde. I'm actually losing oh, me, my ginger somehow. Me kind of too. I'm, I'm getting older, which is really weird. I'm getting more wizard hairs, and it's nice. It's like on my. I embrace oh, it. I'm, Kate's I'm like, all for going grey. I just don't. I don't understand the blonde. Like yeah, one or the other. My please. tips were so. Well, my tips were so utterly blonde that the other day, um, I was recording a video for Instagram for Chess Breaks. 
and in the video I flick over my hair and my hair goes from like uh, like reddish brown to straight blonde. <laughs> so like it looked like I'd been sitting out in the sun for a week. You're saying you went Boros? No one goes full Boros. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm just trying to imagine like a real life Gandalf the Grey turning into Gandalf the White. Like yeah, what happened? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, it's more like Gandalf the Orange. Yeah, exactly. I just, uh, I just imagine him at like a Pokemon like TCG like tournament. <laughs> you shall not pass. And then like <laughs> he throws himself off the edge of the table and he comes back up and he's just like all white hair. He's got like a new staff, a new outfit, and he's just like, "You are dead to me now." And talking all calmly, exactly. Shadow Fax is there somehow, yes. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, we digress. And before we get into our main kind of topic-y thing uh, that pretty much we, we, we have brand along for, I kind of just wanted to get into a nice big uh, conversation about uh, creativity and, and I guess Brandon's particular philosophy in d- building decks because it's something I find fascinating. We've had a lot of chats about and uh, – Pretty much, we've we found ourselves on the end of a, a, uh, a lexicon stream on a Sunday our time, and we end up chatting afterwards or whatever, or after a couple of games, and we just have these chats, and we're like, I've got to record these up at some stage because it's interesting stuff. I feel like Brandon brings the best out of me, um, and and Aww. you know that kind of thing. It's like uh, we joke on lexicon that everyone beats up on Brandon, um, but there's there's long lexicon law why that happens uh like you say the control decks all that stuff but uh all i ever see is like well yeah the first thing i ever saw you play was like jollier i'm like yeah hell yeah this is this is my kind of jam but um <laughs> bottom line is mtg lexicon has been an absolute beacon for my year uh and i think chesh will probably agree there too has been a welcoming place that you know brandon backstabbed me enough that i enjoyed 2020 yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but- for those for those at home i need to explain um so this isn't a malicious thing. This is a thing that I assume that Brandon uh, also enjoys, uh, and I'm pretty sure you do, uh, where there's a little bit of back and forth about how Brandon fucked me over in a game after promising me something and then <laughs> didn't do that thing and instead went completely against it. Um, Brandon did that in another game, unbeknownst to him. He didn't realize what he'd done until he did it. Um, and then Brandon was supposed to send me, uh, I, I think it was a shark token, oh, an MTG lexicon yeah, shark yeah. token. Uh, and Brandon still has not sent that token, so this is like the the three wishes style. Like you you've you've you fucked me over three times now, um, twice. But it, it's a good joke between us, and it's a healthy thing. And I just want people out there to understand that because it will come up a couple of times. Oh yeah, and it it, oh, yeah. it isn't malicious, it's and it's us enjoying each other's fucking company. And I said it. Yeah, I said it in chat the other it day. It's an Australian thing I that we, it, yeah. we know how to do it, which is we we know how to absolutely berate our best friends, and that's like the Australian way. And I think yeah. I think you guys but, take great mirth, and when we do that, and it's you know, it's like we get the joke of yeah. But I, <laughs> he's gonna get it. <laughs> um. <laughs> But the problem is that I brought it up on the MTG Lexicon server again recently, yeah. and somebody who I won't name like actually messaged me and went, "Are you okay?" Oh, like yeah, okay. Like, it's not literal, yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. That 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 was kind of where I was getting at anyway. But uh, Lexicon, uh, if if anyone hasn't checked it out already, jump on Twitch um, and and. You know, it's every or Brandon will do the the better intro, I guess. Like when when are you guys streaming and 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 what's the deal and and give us the mission statement, I guess. 
Yeah, so uh, I guess mission statement-wise, we are a community for the community, by the community, with the community, in the community that just, you know, everyone just gets in the community and just, like, it's a giant community, like... We just daisy-chain. Yeah. God, can you say Uh, the word community anymore? Yes. It's a community fest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, we are filthy, drunken, casual commander. Uh, we focus more on the gathering side than we do on anything else. This place is an open, like, free space for people to communicate, talk, express, like, their feelings. Um, like, we have artists in there. We have altarists. We have other content creators from a ton of other places. And we really want to build our own community that we can have people feel free and genuine we don't want to say oh you can't say this you can't say that it's this is this is a safe space where you can talk as much shit as you want and as long as you're not breaking the rules of society in doing so and you're not being a complete fuckhead uh you're fine this is this is a space where you can frolic and be free and it it's it's free of all the judgment of people saying you're one thing or another unless it's like me or jeff talking shit to each other or me telling Chesh he can go suck a fuck or whatever it is. But I, I say it, it again, those things uh, again come from a place of love, and we know that from, oh, Je- of course. from Jeff as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you'll never hear any of us talk down to someone for doing mm. something, right? It's if even if someone something comes up, right? And there's a as there's an altercation, we try and get it resolved peacefully, right? Like find out what's what's wrong, right? What what's going on? Um, and we don't. We, we don't address people as, like, lower than ourselves. In fact, we always try and push people up. Uh, if you're looking for a place to jump off from or just get your feet wet in, like, the streaming sense of, like, doing paper online and stuff like that, please come join us. I mean, we're we're really big and we're really open to lifting people up, getting them, them out there. And, like, when you come on, the first thing we do, I want to hear all your shameless plugs. I want <laughs> I want you to tell people where they can find you. Like I want, I want to get people engaged in more content from the community because that's exactly what it is. Without other people producing content or you know getting themselves out there, our community doesn't grow. We don't have variety. We we're kind of stuck in this. Like we see the same people all the time, and that's not what we want. We want that variety. A rising tide floats all corpses. It it does, and I think yeah, it's it's that's that's a really good point on on how welcoming that place is. As far as like, if it's someone's first, like they're getting the commander for the first time in five years or something, or the first time ever, and they're like, "How do I play?" And it's like I've never seen such a great like tone of helpfulness in in the uh, in in the Discord that kind of thing, and also just generally, uh, it's. It's a place that you guys, I'll, I'll say it, you guys are quite established. You've been doing this for years and you do have a, a uh, reputation in the magic content sphere as a, as a wonderful place and an established place, everything. But you never get that, uh, you know, oh, just the cool guys vibe when you go in there and I'm not, I'm not cool enough to hang out with these guys or I'm not big enough or that kind of thing. It's, it's no, you go in there and it's just like, let's see how helpful we can all be. And there's, yeah, and exactly. I think I don't... that extends to work cultures. I'm always looking out for that. And I think this is the bloody future of people stopping having pseudo hierarchies of like, and, and mm. their whole strength relies on them feeling bigger than someone else. Uh, that, that stuff needs to end. It really does. And it's like, especially if it is, it feels like there's a lot of like inner circles with not magic necessarily, but lots of things where it's like, oh, the, the, the big cool guy and like the big cool crew. And it's like, you can't, this is like, unachievable you can't be part of this inner circle and it's like no this is you get in there and everyone from lexicon's already there and they're already chatting and 
they will absolutely make you feel welcome. So, as to, uh, speaking as, you know, I was going to say as two idiots from Australia, I mean, Chesh has known you guys longer than I have, uh, but straight away it's like this, you know, it's been amazing to go, well, you know, they're here and, and kind of uh, stimulating why I love this game. Uh, but at the end of the day, like some of the chats we've had with like Davey and stuff, like there's there's a world beyond the game as well. The game is just a conduit and that's the, like, the kind of the friendships we've made in a weird way. And um, so, yeah. Jump on into Discord, please, or just tune into MTG Lexicon on a on a Tuesday or a Saturday, and uh, and and just go from there. And and you know, as we've found, a lot of people are like this is my favorite place to hang out, so to speak. Oh well, thank. Thanks you. for completely bulldozing through that as well, Sam. What What do you mean? <laughs> I didn't get a chance to make my goddamn joke. Make your joke. Just make get it in point. there, Chesh. Get, get it in, in there, there before yeah, we well, start going deep on. Because we were talking about the. You were talking about the cool kids in the server. Yeah. And I was going to say, that's right. I've never had the feeling that any of you were cool. <laughs> anyway, so we're moving on. <laughs> exactly. So the the biggest reason I, again, uh, apart from just respect and um, and, and thanking Branding for, for being an awesome um, kind of person, you know, to, to kind of make Commander better for us lately. Why he's on here is uh, we keep nerding out, as I said, about just... Ways to, I guess, just deck build brew alternatively, and it's something we've we've really gelled over as far as going. Well, you know, realizing there's a lot of there's a lot of theories and and kind of uh, themes that people deck build by. Almost they're told to do this, do that, whatever. But it's it's about we. I, I think some of our chats uh, was especially some of the people in the community. We've we've ended up off the end of a game. It was like, oh, we're just talking about someone else is getting into Commander after a few years and they're just like, oh, well, I play this way because it's the, the way people used to play. And it's like, well, free your mind a little bit. There's different ways to, to build, whatever. And I think Brandon, as, as an exquisite uh, kind of embodiment of some of these themes that go on in my head and, and some things I've learned as well, I think we'll we'll just dive into. I want I want to hear from Brandon. You're you're pretty much like run us through your deck building philosophy, like from from the the spark of an idea through to the process, uh, through to uh, the actual you know embodiment of the deck. And I think along the way we'll we'll be able to find a couple of little nuggets of um, kind of difference just to get people thinking a little bit differently about how to build a deck. And I think there's a lot to pull out of there. So, yeah, run us through it. You've got an idea for a deck. I mean, maybe Nevenral is the way to go or maybe it's another one you've got <laughs> in your, your head. But, yeah, run us through your your personal philosophy of putting a deck together and, and go from there, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, to start off, a little bit of context. Our play group uh, is very kind of unique in the rule set. It's one that a lot of people are like, well, yeah, that's kind of obvious for casual, but one that we've really stuck by. And mm. it's changed our meta and it's changed the way we play the game. So, uh, really quick, I'll run down through them. And then keeping that in mind, then we build the deck around that particular type of um, rule set, right? So, number one is... Uh, no turn four earlier wins. We're, mm. we're not making a CEDH deck, right? So we're not built for speed. We're not built to, to win on turn three or four and just end the game and, you know, close up shop and call it a night, right? We want fun and entertaining games. So rule number one, no turn four early wins. Rule number two, no infinite combos. This turns a lot of people off that are really kind of trying to do the rat race to who can get an infinite combo first and mm. who can, you know, get it off successfully 
Um, and that pretty much leads to a game of just everyone's trying to build combo pieces for an infinite combo to just win the game. And, and that rat race, it becomes very structured. And you know it's going to happen mm. every time because everyone's doing the same thing, same combo. You know, it, it kind of gets old after a while. So uh, we do allow three iterations of an infinite combo, but you don't get anything more than that. So it's, it's very limiting in that fact. Uh, number three is no mass land destruction. Um, it's not fun to restart the game on turn 25 when we've been playing for an hour. Uh, mm. it, it, it does kind of slow the game down and sometimes decks thrive under that. And we understand that there's some decks that, you know, they, they board wipe, they mass land destruction, and then they swing in with all their creatures and they win the game. That's acceptable, but if you do that and someone wipes your board at the same time and everyone's reset, it's not really much of a fun game. You might as well just, you know, quit. So what we tell people is uh, no mass land destruction unless you can win in two turns. You have two mm -hmm. turns to win. If you don't win, uh, we take your deck and we throw it in the fire and we watch it together. Um, <laughs> and that's a fairly, ever, the last evergreen, one, that's a fairly evergreen common rule. And I mean, you know, it's it's like a social kind of contract rule that you'll find a lot of places anyway. And uh, like these these kind of things too, uh, they've, they've happened as a byproduct of the stream and the play group, which have been really good. But I've found they're just nice guidelines and they're... they're I haven't put an infinite combo per se, like intentionally in a deck for a long time. And I've found myself for the same reason, gravitating towards the same reasons to do so. I was finding it like very anticlimactic to win that way. And that I couldn't present it in a like, wow, I win kind of way when I went off with an infinite combo. It's still like, I win, I guess. And like, I feel like deflated that I like, I won the cheap way. So, I mean, if you yourself cannot be excited enough to feel that way, yeah. then you're doing it wrong, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that became more apparent when it started to be like, hey, look, my voice and my my cards are on a stream somewhere, you know, that very much so. I want to win in a way that I have Jewel of Fates pumping in the background and it got, it went down to the wire. So, again, I always say, commit. Commander is different things to different people, but I, th I find mm. these are really, really awesome. Like just just guidelines to think about for um, you know your own deck building and like what it actually means to win and how does that feel. And that's like you know, but I'll, I'll let you continue, Brandon, for sure. Yeah, no worries. And then the last one is obviously we just mulligan until we get a keepable hand. We're not I, we're not I here love to play. That one. Like yeah. Yeah, no we're not here to, to do competitive or anything else like that. Just get something that works. The worst thing to do is start a game where one person is at like five cards in hand and everyone else has got like a full stack, right? It's just, mm. it doesn't feel good inside to just beat like a dead horse, you know? And it just, it, it's not fun, right? So that's, mm. that's the main reason why we have those rules uh, is because we want to have a fun, entertaining game. We want to have a great time. And the other thing is, like when we first started, we, we were focused around infinite combos and stuff like that. And as we made that rule, our meta and our play style changed. We started making crazy wacky combos, like <laughs> things that required like 15 pieces, like we were building like the puzzle to a treasure map. Like it was a lot of fun to now branch into a space that was unique for us personally and break into something that you know not many people do. And it forces you to look at different combos, different interactions, mm. find ways to... to to build a process that is more creative in the sense of, of you spending time to make something unique as it is to just, you know, oh, well, I'm just going to make an infinite combo and win. This is, mm. you're, you're methodical, you're thinking about it, and you're making something flavorful, right? 
So yeah, restriction, that's, restrictions that's break, the, break the rule set that kind of built our meta. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. That being said, let's talk about the process that I go through for making a deck. Uh, the first thing I do is on my cell phone, uh, there's an app that I have that I recommend people install. Um, on Android, it's just called Decked Builder. Um, yeah. it, it's just got like this giant database of cards and um, it, it just kind of has everything that I need that I can search for, filter for, so on and so forth. So that being said, the first thing I do is find a theme or a card that I want to build a theme around. I got really big into doing tribal stuff, and then I said, wait a minute, everyone's done all the the creature tribes. (laughs) Why don't I go for archetype or meta tribes, right? So Mm. um, the first tribal deck I ever built was dragons, right? Very generic, very basic. I started off with the pre-con and just built, built it out and... Um, it's still like to this day, one of my favorite decks to play. Cause it's just straight up five color beat face. And <laughs> I threw some extra spicy stuff in there just to, to throw people off. Like I have a mana drain in there. I, I didn't know it at the time when I built the deck, but mana drain is probably one of the best ramp cards in any big oh, yeah. Boy deck. Yeah, like, like a, a tempo ramp it, card. It just for sure. slingshots you. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people kind of sleep on that as a ramp opportunity because they just look at it as the, you know, the counter spell that just kind of like gives you extra mana. But you you wait for that someone to play something big and then that's extra mana. That's a ton of mana sometimes because mm. people like, play, you know, on turn three or four, they're going to be playing like, I don't know, Gilded Lotus or something. Counter a Gilded Lotus. That's five colorless <laughs> mana that you get to work with. And if you've already got like, you know, four of the five colors and you draw a land next turn, there's Ur. Or um, yeah, the Ur Dragon, right? Yeah, so exactly. You're already putting him on the field, and it's uh, everyone's just immediately like terrified. Or you can play like multiple dragons. Either way, it's like it's great money for the value. Mm. Okay, so anyways, I find I find this target that I want to do. Let's take uh, Nevin Urals because that's the most recent one that I'm working on right now. Uh, the theme of Nevin Urals is going to be persistent board wipes. Why? Because it's wild and crazy, and I don't think anyone <laughs> else has done it. Right? I I just I love building decks that no one else has really done before. If you look at all my decks and stuff like that, they are a little unusual. Yeah. Uh, but they work oddly well, and it's not um, it's not like they sit at like a four or five power level. They sit at like maybe a seven, like a solid seven. Uh, and I operate in that space. So, okay, so we're going to do persistent board wipes, and uh, I need to know what the hell I'm working with. So the first thing I do is I open up the app, the Decked Builder app, and I put zero filters on it, Mm. and I go through every card in Magic. This sounds grueling. (laughs) It's my favorite part of your process. I love it. (laughs) This sounds grueling, but it actually is really cool because... Not only do you look through every card that exists in Magic, and I'm blowing through these like really fast. I'm just swiping and like, does this fit what I'm doing? No, move up. Does this fit what I'm doing? No, move up. Obviously, I'm doing this in the colors that you know I'm in. Um, but when I do this, I see better opportunities for interactions that I never would have thought about before. Mm. That's where you get like these underrated cards that you see pop up on the internet as people find ways to integrate them into decks and doing things that you don't normally see with those cards. So this builds a a little bit of a list for me and you can just click the add to list button that they have in the app and then I export that and then I dump it into a a giant, um, I guess, deck building application. In this case, most of the time, everyone says like Arc Deck's really good and all this other stuff, but I still use Tapped Out. I really love Tapped Out. The the playtesting thing that they have for it is like 
pretty well fleshed out, and I I think it's better than the one that's in Architect personally, just because mm. maybe I'm used to it, whatever. But I really prefer doing that. I've been uh, using Box Field a bit lately, actually, and that's that one's pretty good. Like that's quite a new one, and it's got a lot more um, kind of modern design, and and you know you can tell a good dev team's gone behind it as well. So, um, but you'll find places doing reviews on them all and i i think they all they all work essentially with the same language at the end of the day you can export the list in the same way so whichever suits you i guess you know i still use tapped out sometimes as well like you say yeah i i mean i'll i'll have to check that one out um okay so i yeah. i then search for every card in magic and see if it fits into the the archetype that i'm building for the the tribe i'm trying to build for in this case it's going to be board wipes which is great so every every white board wipe every black board wipe uh and every i guess bounce opportunity i have to wheel away someone's returned hand away right so i've got white blue and black to work with okay next thing i do is i as i look at synergies for the cards if i cannot interact with a card with three other cards it has no use in my deck flat out i really i really love that rule and uh, that was probably the most interesting thing i ever heard you say i was like well i found myself almost doing it subconsciously sometimes but it's like a really interesting one to to, to kind of think about that there's a theme I, I i think about that card draws this in a way but like to think about your cards thematically what is the glue and like how do they kind of attach themselves to other cards throughout your deck and once all that kind of links up i use this in analogy all the time like because bread has infinite analogies but uh it's it's the gluten network you know like you're 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 kind of you have like a, a flow chart to everything else in a weird way yeah and, and you know that's a that's a great way to look at it is it's like the gluten of the the deck and stuff but um the main reason is the more synergies you have with more cards in your deck the more ways you can incorporate other cards for a win con which is mm. really important. And um, if you look at a lot of my decks, I am a huge toolbox person. All my mm. decks, I have answers for just about everything, and I make them so that they work with other cards in my deck so that I'm not trying so hard to to fish for a way out of a hole, right? Um, I have things that work like cohesively with each other that they're not colliding and they're not creating a you know giant monolithic wall for me to climb in my own deck right i i have Mm. flexibility with it and if something happens i'm not i'm not out of luck you know so uh i i look for cards that have synergies with other cards um that is like a big thing the next thing i do is this one's actually kind of interesting and it sparks a lot of conversation with a lot of different people because of the the you know how people think about commander and that is i build my deck to then operate without my commander yes this is my favorite one too like it's it's something that something i've said for a very 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 long time hell yeah is the fact that uh when you're building your deck build it with your commander in mind but don't build it based on the fact that your commander is going to be there because Mm. nine out of ten times some jerkwad like me is going to just kill your commander over and over and over and over. I'm totally not sorry, Sam. And over and no, over and fine. over so that your deck can't do whatever it is that you're like, oh, I'm going to do this really cool thing. Like, no, you're not mm. because I'm going to stop you. Especially if it can be identified that that is the fulcrum holding the whole thing together. Like I, my first ever commander was Masaryk and there, there's so many of the effects. You can build it in different ways to have redundancy and that's that's kind of the, what I guess 
a big underlying point Brandon's getting at. It's it's building in kind of measures to have uh, redundant effects, I guess, but also it can even go further than that, that it's it's very much like the DNA of the deck has velocity and has ways to keep moving when the commander's not around. It's a, a good way to go for sure. But yeah, Maserek used to like far out, like, oh, everything relies on this commander and people just pin, pinpoint it. I'm like, oh, damn, like that puts me back. It just... It time warps me basically. Like I, I'm just put back a couple of terms as I, I I have to rebuild and put the commander back online, that kind of thing. So it was a massive level up moment. It's taken me a few years to kind of get there, but to the point where I've talked about it before, I run a deck now. Jory N is absolutely just a figurehead to the polymorph deck. Doesn't need to be there. Don't care. And and in a way that the information in my command zone actually has information. Like it has it has meaning that it is like it's a figurehead that no one can quite figure out what's going on. It's not. Like, uh, I mean, Brandon commented that this, like, running like a Zer deck. Zer has a, 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 you know, a bit of a reputation, has has an identity before you even get into the game uh, with new people, who cares, whatever. But, like, I, I love the fact that I can run a commander that no one finds very threatening or knows what's going on, you know, and that's 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 an intentional choice, which is really, really interesting. So, um, and that was, yeah, like I say, a big level up. So, keep it going, Brandon. Yeah, so um, it's to void things like that shut you down. Like, uh, for instance, uh, yeah. I one of our other hosts he plays uh, Animar or whatever, and I when I play Zer, the first thing I do is I just I play Engineered Plague and just name elementals. And then yeah. I, don't, I don't ever see his commander again, um, and it really shuts him down. And I, of course, I don't feel bad about it, but I mean, like mm. it. It's just one of those things. It's so easy for someone to shut down a deck, right? Um, and so you got mm. things that have come out recently, what like the the Droneth Magistrate, right? I was playing in mm. a game and someone dropped a Droneth Magistrate, and then someone else copied that draw that um, that Droneth Magistrate, <laughs> and so no one can play any commander cards. And I'm sitting there <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. I'm playing Sisse, yeah. my my really toolboxy deck, and obviously Sisse is what brings out the big, you know scary things but the way i've built my sissy deck is it's a commander commander tribal i'm playing main commanders that other people use for their decks and i'm playing these things that are just terrifying for the board because i can still interact i can still do things like i'm not stopped or hindered by the magistrate i just keep going and it's really great to have that feeling to know that like i'm not at a linchpin or like mm. hindered by the fact that my commander is the only way I can move forward, right? So, yeah, uh, building it's quite a liberating, deck, sure. Yeah, absolutely. And building a deck to operate without your commander is different than building a deck that doesn't need your commander. Yes. Yeah. True. And just to poke in here, if anyone wants to read about that uh, that deck that dropped the Drenith Magistrate. You can find out on puremtgo.com sometime later this week when this episode drops. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but yeah that's an idea set that you know we're not building a deck to never use our commander we're building a deck that if our commander disappears and never comes back if it goes to the shadow realm yugi we can still play Mm. right (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and if it's here obviously our deck's gonna do that much better but i don't want to be I don't want to be hindered by the fact that if my commander is in the shadow shadow realm you know i can't play so uh, it's a really unique philosophy, and it's really hard to do, obviously, if you're running Voltron and stuff like that. And you can have mm. what a lot of people call secret commanders, 
which is another oh, yeah. card in your deck that if your commander for whatever reason just isn't around, it acts as your commander in its place. Um, and I know a lot of people do it, and I think it's a great idea. I think I think everyone should have a secret commander in their deck that is kind of the embodiment of the deck as a secondary creature that you can really leverage and use and have the ability to put the rest of what you are building into it for that creature or that, you know, alternate secret commander. Yeah, I think it's a really fun build exercise too to um, uh, try a deck. I remember there's some classic ones, you know, you may have seen around the content sphere for a long time. I remember, uh, what was it? The the oldest one I think of is like Josh, Josh Lee Quaid doing the um, the five-color Nekusar type deck and it's you use a different command. You use a, a, a commander that has five colors because you can get access to all the different effects that would normally go into a Nekusar deck, but you've got new colors to play with. So, it's where you can it's it's a fun exercise because you start to go how do i you know it's a consistency thing to find that commander or that creature in the deck but then whatever else happens happens it's it's just a fun way to do it but i i did one and it was i wanted to pair up skeleton skeleton ship and hapatra for minus one minus one counters in Sultai. Uh, i just love those two cards and uh, i used to run one that was sadisi i'm pretty sure in the Sultai colors just so Again, you could like search up either of those, but you've got the colors there. Now, I mean, Volrath is actually a much better option mm-hmm. for those these days because they actually do have a minus one counter synergy. Uh, and I haven't built that version of it, but it's again, it's it's one of those things like worth trying out and fun to have a look at how to run a secret commander deck or even like you say, brand to Brandon's extent, like it, it doesn't even have to be that, that uh, you know, absolute your game plan or anything. It can be just a little a side option kind of thing. Like who's, who's your lieutenant, you know, in the deck that kind of can have a lot of sub synergies going on. And in a way, it's like almost like the pre-cons, the older pre-con decks would work. You know, you might mm-hmm. get like a Nizan with a hammer kind of going on with a, a package of cards that work in their own right, that kind of thing. So, yeah, interesting to, uh, to kind of muse on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's something that really... Um, changes the way you think right and obviously mm. you already do this you already know not a big issue but there's a lot of people who don't and a lot of people who are getting into commander and just you know they're wondering why their deck doesn't work when they keep getting like blasted their commander keeps getting blasted and they're like this is a terrible game i hate this and then they just stop playing yeah. commander for a while and you know that's obviously it's the game it's gonna happen but building up your resiliency to those kinds of actions or those kinds of things is what really will allow you to grow as a commander player, not just in the sense of like, you know, winning more often or anything else like that, but learning to have fun with the game, I think with an like a different outlook on how it, how you think it should be played. Right. Um, Definitely. So I highly recommend that. And then the last thing that I do is I net deck like a monster. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> I don't like building decks that other people have already done. For whatever reason, it just, it's not fun to me. It's not mine. It's mm. not its not my baby. You know what I mean? Um, and I have a ton of fun just building wacky decks. They're oddly similar to some, but they're just enough left field that it just throws people off or something that they've just never seen like my Jalira deck for instance I net decked hundreds of thousands of like Jalira decks actually there's not hundreds of thousands there's just like maybe a couple hundred um, and I I looked and everyone's building like all these counter decks that make tokens and then they got like you know the normal big creatures and they went leviathans or something like that and mm-hmm. I was like I think that's cool 
But if someone else has already done it, I'm not really building something unique to me. It's not mine. Yeah. So I'm like, we're going to turn this on its side. No counters. Actually, there's one. Yep, but exactly. no counters. <laughs> and that counter, that counter doesn't even make a creature. It's just a generic fucking counter. And the the powerhouse of my deck is then, can I hard cast an 11 CMC by turn five or six? Or can I cheat it out using the wand? Or can I steal something from my opponent and then, you know, like use that as my catalyst for, you know, bringing out big thick boys, right? And yeah, so I love that path, yeah. In, it, in polymorph land, that's the best. It's great. And it's uh it's a lot of fun. It feels great. And obviously there's there's some like combos and stuff like that that aren't new to magic, but it's a lot of fun to do if you can pull it off. Like my favorite one to do in that deck is Reigns of power, like someone's got a bunch of tokens out. Your reigns of power, you mass polymorph. You put everything in your deck on the field, and if you look at the stuff that's in that deck, it's all big, thick boys. Like I've got all <laughs> of like the Colossuses. I've got a lot of like the Eldrazi. And keep in mind that there's only one legendary creature in the deck besides the commander. So all of these are non-legendary creatures that I'm aiming for, and the reason is is because the staff says. Uh, non-legendary, and I think... Oh, sorry, Jaleera says non-legendary. Uh, Jaleera says it, yeah, care. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the staff doesn't I only, care. I only noticed but, that the other day, actually, and and, and I'm, I'm running, yeah, the, you know, the Jorian polymorph build I'm running, and, um, mm. yeah, that's that's. I had Jaleera in for a little bit. I think she's still there, but she will, importantly, not hit some of the big, like, Ulamogs and stuff I've got in there, and I was like, oh, that's fine. But, yeah, she says non-legendary for whatever yeah, reason. And the main reason is because I run Rite of Replication, yeah. Right. I also run um like the Infinity Mirror, whatever the fuck it is. I, I'm blanking on the name of the card right now, but it's the one where you enchant a creature and all the other non token creatures become that creature. Which is hilarious oh, to do yep. when you have a Dark Steel Colossus out on the field and you got a bunch of other like weenies and stuff like that and you, you have a great time or you play a void winner and you decide to write a replication it and you know they may be able to destroy one but you know they're not gonna get rid of all of them so <laughs> you have a great time with it and you just mess with people just non-stop you just mess with people big you know thick boys all over the place and it gets out of hand very quickly and if uh if you watch some of our past episodes you'll see i think like turn three i had a frost giant and i started locking people's lands down and then while I was doing that, I was also continuing to ramp and scale out of control. And um, I had a great time. And there's a lot of cards in there that are, you know, a little bit more fun to play with that you normally don't see. But because I'm ramping so hard and I'm pushing the envelope of, like, making threats on the board, um, it really keeps people, like, defensively, like, in this little cage uh, because they don't want to get backhanded by, you know, a tentacle coming from a mile away. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and and what I'm what I'm getting to here is I net decked like crazy to find a build that no one else has has done or no one else has out there obviously um, and do it to a to a point where I'm still having fun right yeah I don't want to exactly. build a a deck that's mine but just kind of sucks and I'm not happy with it I want to do something that's gonna be fun for me or something that's outside of my element I don't generally play aggro outside of dragons I'm a very defensive and reactive player um, and that's mm. obvious like if you ask uh, you know Matt one of the other hosts you know what kind of decks does Brandon make he'll literally just say control you got <laughs> five color control 
You've got yeah, yeah. Orzov control, and he'll just yeah. <laughs> right. He just goes straight down the line. Just all my shit's control. I, I don't think it is, but I'm also a stacks player. I play Zer. Um, you know, it's 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 fun and entertaining that way. And um, that being said, you know, build something unique to yourself. If you have to net deck to build a deck, that's fine. It's a learning experience. It's mm. not the end of the world. But do something to it that makes it your own. That adds a twist. It adds a flavor. Find a combination that you liked in one deck. How can you recreate it in another? Like, it build and fortify upon your experiences that you've had or that you've seen from other people. And try and incorporate really weird, goofy shit into the new decks that you're making because it, it can be fun. You can make. I mm. I have a blast when I play Zer and I lose. Ask me if I'm happy, and I will tell yeah, you exactly. every time. I've got the biggest smile on my face. I am having a great time. I I could be the first one out of the game, and I'm still just ear to ear grin. Right. Beamy. Um, and and Dave, it, Davey mentioned a great point last week. He goes, uh, you know, think of the best game of games of Commander, like the top five games of Commander you've ever had. And did you necessarily win those games? No. Like it's that's, I think, true with everyone. You Like if you really dig down, you're like, well, I can't even remember. It wasn't about the win. It was about what happened in a really interesting way too. Um, side note too, Infinite Reflection was that card you're talking yes, about. Yes, Infinite and, and Reflection. A, and an Aura I absolutely adore and a lot of people forgot about. And it's like six mana enchantment aura, enchant creature. When it is the battlefield attached to a creature, each other non-token creature you control becomes a copy of that creature. Mm-hmm. And then non-token creatures you control enter as a copy of that creature. I used to use this with um, Pathbreaker Ibex to get damage done in the thousands. It was so sweet. Um, but, yeah, that's it's it's a great one. And I think there's a, there's a through line here and, and a connective tissue the way I love to you know, crap on about skeleton ship, whatever, you know, everyone knows I'm a bit of a hipster with this crap, but it's not, it's not about being a magic hipster for the sake of being a magic hipster. It's like, it's, it's, this game is self, like this is self-expression and and this is creativity and and Mm -hmm. the way I see it anyway, like it doesn't have to be like if, if no one, if I know some people go, I'm not creative and I just want to run this, that's fine. Like go nuts. But what the kick I get out and I think you're the same. It's like, I want to play a card that everyone's like, whoa, did not see that coming. What is that card? I need to look it up. It's weird. And and it affects the game in an interesting way. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it, essentially, we, we are all trying to win the game. But I'm I'm really focusing on interactions and, and a fun time for everyone. Uh, and and more, yeah, more, more in a way that like really kind of does justice to the, the 20,000 plus cards we've got to or however many it is. The pool of cards from the last twenty eight years, whatever it is, to to reach into, you know, and that there's, of course, there's format staples, but let's dig into the weird stuff, and and sometimes the weird stuff can do the can hit from an axis no one was ready for, and I, I that's that's what keeps me coming back for sure. So, um, yeah, preach, man. I was gonna say you, so you touched on a card, Reigns of Power. I had two cards here that we've talked about a little bit. I I think they're the the. The signature spell book, Brandon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Reigns of Power is an amazing one. I think check that out. You may have it in your bulk uh, rares, you know, uh, and I think for the right deck, it's absolute fire. I had one. I can't for life me find it and it breaks my heart because I want to play it too. <laughs> it's it's so good. Um, but the other one uh, I had here was um, Pariah, of course, because mm. we've talked about it a lot and, and you've talked about it on stream a little bit, how much you love this card. And it gets into the next next chapter of the Brandon philosophy kind of piece that I, I love to kind of muse on uh, is is that the idea of playing things defensively and offensively and and sometimes looking at a card going, this is not necessarily a one-way street. 
you know, the mm-hmm. way you expect it. You can use this alternatively. So do you want to like wax lyrical about a little bit of pariah love? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the first time I really experienced the pariah effect um, was I was playing magic with my brother. This is like years ago. I, you know, I was just a, a wee little tadpole. And um, <laughs> so, yeah, he he put pariah on one of my indestructible creatures. <laughs> and I couldn't win. I didn't have a sack no. outlet. I couldn't kill the I should read too. All damage that would be dealt to you is dealt to enchanted creatures instead, and it's an aura. Hey, it's another aura, and it's three mana. And, oh, it's, it's Zer mana too. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Uh, and, yeah, it, and exactly. it drove me nuts. I didn't have a way around it, and I, the only way I could get around it was disenchant it. But then I'm wasting, you know, my turn, CMC, every, everything that I have as a resource to get rid of it when, um, you know... I, I couldn't do anything about it. And then it really got me into thinking about how you can play defensive cards offensively. If you're at a table mm-hmm. of four people and you want a particular commander gone, right? Or you just want to live forever, <laughs> right? You put Priya on somebody else's creature. If someone plays a t- an indestructible Tajik, I'm going to Pariah that guy. I don't have to worry about taking perforous damage every time a creature enters the battlefield. I don't have oh, to worry about yeah. damage spells. Earthquake doesn't affect me. Go ahead, swing all out, baby. I'm ready. Like, it... it Who wants to live <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Also, it is a great removal spell. Someone plays their commander that you just absolutely want to die, and no matter what, they do everything they can to protect that creature, right? So you put Pariah mm. on it. And tell your opponent, swing at me. Just swing at me. And it's a, it's a great opportunity to make removal where you didn't have it before, right? Sure, you could mm. put a terror in there, but does a terror also, like, prevent you from taking damage? No. Like, does it, like, redirect damage? No. The best thing that you could do is build on Pariah, right? You could, you could mm. put... Soul Link, which is another great phenomenal card that I wish more people play with, which is uh, whenever uh, a creature deals or is dealt damage, you gain that much life. You put that in Pariah on a creature, you're you're gaining massive <laughs> amounts of life. Like someone swings all out at you, it's all redirected to the creature, you just gain a ton of life and that creature's gone, right? Or you put on an indestructible creature and you just gain life the whole game. Or you can have fun with it. You, you you put it on your own creature, and then you put it on is Soul Link on that creature, and then you get something like Pestilence or Pyrohemia out, and you just ping it just oh. enough so that it lives, and you're starting to net zero life while everyone else is taking damage, and then you can have a lot more fun actually gaining life with the Pariah on it because that damage is redirected to the creature, right? So it's just taking two instead of you taking one and the other one taking one. And then you're you're gaining two life off of that, while not taking any damage, which is, you know, it's great. It's a phenomenal thing to do, and you have a lot of fun with it. And there's not just Pariah that you can do stuff like this with, right? There's other cards that a lot of people don't really take a look at as being offensive or defensively in that regard. Mm, definitely, definitely. Um, no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad we touched on those. I mean, there's there's going to be, I think, more and more cards pop up that, w- that we'll keep chatting about and, and whatnot, but I'd love to do your... It'd be interesting to do your five or ten card spell book as well because there's so many gems in there that we we talk about or, or you see Brandon play that's like, well, this this should be in, you know, it's like, oh, why aren't I playing this card? Proteus stuff's probably another one, I guess. Like that's that's a super fun one for sure. But oh um, yeah, because it's not yeah. just your creatures; it's other people's too. So if you see someone yeah, exactly. put a 
they spent all this time, they built all this mana, they built this thick boy, and they threw it on the battlefield, and you just like you staff it away, and then out comes a Lena War Elves. Like, yeah, totally worth it. So, so like final lesson, I guess that's uh, look for unexpected utility in 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 cards. That's you know that. Even if it's situational, like those situations do come up and, and there's the amount of times you're begging for to have an answer to something or, you know, especially an alternate answer, like that a lot of protections, things like that are, are based on traditional ways. Like it, it might be the indestructible route or whatever. And like, uh, you know, a, a Proteus staff will get rid of that. You know, that's like just it just boops it out and that's fine, you know. Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff. And I think that's that's. Uh, as much as I wanted to go into, I think that's a nice big bite-sized chunk of of Brandon's philosophy and and just a, a nice little kind of think discussion piece of like, you know, like incorporate some of these ideas or, or start to think of them when you're brewing. And, and again, that's it's what starts to really, you know, make this so much fun to continue brewing, go, oh, well, I'm going to think about this alternatively and, and, and where... You know, it, it, it definitely, it can level up over years and years and you start to notice new things and, and new understandings and it's, it's you know, this will always keep giving back when you start to open your mind a little bit to building different ways for sure. So, um, I'll say that, I'll say it again, just just tune into MTG Lexicon on a Sunday usually or Sunday our time, Saturday night or a Tuesday and and see some of, some of these machinations at play for sure. But um, while you're here, Brandon, I think we're going to pivot over and we're going to ask you a few questions because oh, no. we do this with, with our guests and we want to find out what is interesting about our guests uh, because everyone, everyone in the world is interesting, like remember that, uh, but there's... Like we said before, there's more to life than magic as well, and there's so much we we get into outside of the world of magic. So, without further ado, we're going to get into our guest profile questions. And uh, first of all, Brandon, my friend, pineapple and pizza, what's the deal? Fucking you in love or pineapple, dude. If I could hey. marry a pineapple, I would hundred percent. If I could do it, I would do it. <laughs> Obviously, it wouldn't be a long marriage, but at least it'd be worth it. Um, and I love pineapple on pizza. Yeah, nice. Hear that, Chesh? We've got we've got a new member of Pineapple Squad. So um, there's pretty much. <laughs> well, that's a first. I think the magic. No, there's a couple. I think the magic community are. Um, uh, we've got almost an even split. Probably more on the no, or more on the like. I'd rather not camp. Um, Chesh is just like physically cannot because he'll turn into a gigantic ulcer, and um, yeah. I, otherwise, you know. Oh, bleed out like a stuck pizza. Yeah, it's lovely. So, um, but yeah, there's some people like, oh no, what what is that doing on my pizza? And then there's a bunch of people like, yeah, it's okay, I'll give it a go. Uh, anyway, uh, here's a good one uh, on the on the uh, topic of, of of spell books, pet cards, whatever. And I think we've just gone through two primary ones. But if there's any more, go for it. But pet card you love may not be the best. Uh, yeah, that maybe maybe if it's not one of the others. Pet card. It's my favorite, but not the best. So, like well, a B-rated movie. What, I guess so. Like that—that's kind of it. That, that's the nature of pet cards, anyway. They're not format staples or anything. They're like I play Spelltwine a ton. You know that. Like it's great, mm. but you know. How about this? Uh, How about this? It's a card that I have in every deck I've ever made in Commander. Ooh. And it's one. Ooh. It's one that I leverage heavily all the time, and people sleep on when it's on my battlefield. Altar of Dimension. Fire. Hell yeah! I've dude, I I just put this into a deck that uh, doesn't feel like you're win- you're milling, or it's not a mill deck or anything like that. It's more that you just may make built beefy creatures, and it's you'll explain in a second, I'm sure. But there's a there's a good reason to start thinking about playing this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, th- there's two reasons why I do this. One, let's say I'm dying miserably, and I have an alt that my opponent. It's my opponent's turn. They swing out at me. I've got a reins of power in hand. All I can do is prevent the damage by taking the creatures. But they have a lot of creatures, right? So they're just going to go back at the end of the next turn, and I've got no way of stopping this massive army the next turn. Mm-hmm. Altar of Dementia, the the shining beacon of hope on my side of the board. <laughs> Take all their creatures, sack them all to Altar of Dementia, mill them for everything I can. This has actually worked in several ways that I just never thought possible, especially with Reigns mm-hmm. of Power. On my turn, steal all the creatures, swing out at someone, kill someone, sack all the creatures, mill the person who owns the creatures. Like, two people gone instantaneously. Or someone's doing an exile all creatures like board wipe. Sack them all to alter a dementia, at least they go to the grave. Right? There, it's just such a versatile sack outlet that punishes your opponent more than you think it does. Even if they have mm. like, oh, well, I can put my, my graveyard back into my library. Great. Well, let's get the shit out of your library while we can now right and at least force them to rely on that option instead of having my creatures just waste away in the wind right um mm. and if you're building decks that have like really fun combos or really thick creatures it, you know you're milling you know maybe 7 to 10 cards at a time out of someone over you know just a basic creature and you're getting double value out of your deck right and it's just an important exit clause a lot of the time too. I mean, for, for years the advice was like, hey, just consider playing like a high market or a, uh, you know, an altar of dementia or something, just a free sack outlet um, or, mm-hmm. you know, one that you don't have to pay into to like sack the creature exactly. just because, uh, you know, they, there's going to there's gonna be times where someone tries to steal your stuff. Like it's, you know, there's going to be ways to, inter- like you'd rather delete your, cat, your, uh, your, your creature than see it on the other side of the board and, and it's just... I know sometimes it just like pay two, uh, it's on the board, doesn't do anything for a while, but it's always there and it just it gives you another option. So yeah, I love that one for sure. Um, next one was, do you have your notes there, Chesh? I don't see your cursor, so maybe not. I, I do. Oh, you do? Who would you like most... Oh, get these <laughs> cursor out of the way. <laughs> Who would you most like to have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? That's not Janis Joplin. Or us. Oh, damn. I was really focused on the Janis Joplin I, part. Because I feel... No, because I, I literally feel like you would be the first person that I would think of that straight up would go, oh, Janis Joplin, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow, your faith in me is amazing. Um, who, who would I... Oh, man. That's an interesting question. Um, it might sound a little weird, but I think it would be probably Genghis Khan... Or hmm, probably Genghis Khan. Obviously, I wouldn't understand a word he would say, but let's just pretend that he speaks English in this sense. Or um, if we have, we have this well, technology, we the, probably the we probably have a Babelfish or something. You have a universal translator. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it a Babelfish, okay. Chesh? Is that what it's called? Yeah. So, Babelfish. Well, let me explain sorry. the reason. He had conquered so much of the world, and I am a huge. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge RTS player like real-time strategy game player and the thought process and the amount of methodical forethought that you have to conquer retain and and build an empire is immense Mm. it's like it's like genius level kind of thought process because you're not just thinking one or two steps ahead you're thinking of like miles ahead 
and you're laying out the groundwork for what you're going to do. And that is something that is just really intriguing to me because uh, that, that thought process also can lead to other parts of your life. Um, he was a genius strategist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But not just that. Most of Asia's population can be tied blood-wise, like genetics-wise, back to Genghis Khan. Yeah, I, mm. I want to I wanna like know how he, he did it. So many children. He just went on a fucking rampage, quite literally. Yeah, yeah ma- like maybe not voluntarily, don't. but I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I really want to see the thought process behind that because, you know, obviously it extends past war. Like, if you're thinking about your future or, you know, you're playing a game of magic. There's a, it might sound funny, but read Sun Tzu's Art of War. <laughs> I was going to make that connection. And yeah, apply exactly that to magic. Like, yeah. it's, you can and learn you'll have a great time. From- yeah, you can learn things from historical figures and, and writings, whatever. And uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was it. That it's like it's well, interestingly then applies back to this weird game we play in a very small sense. Yeah. So that's this this whole thing about Genghis Khan that most people probably don't realize is people just think him as like a bloodthirsty warlord. Which look, to be fair, he absolutely was. Mm. But again, comes back to strategy. Like, oh yeah, you got to be a smart as, one. As much to, as to I want to say, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like history is always gonna favor the victor. Yes, um, and and in this case, that's a little bit different because it's not just the fact that he was the victor for so long, but it's the fact that that amount of history there is no way to bury. Like you can't change it, you can't bury it, and some of the stuff that Genghis Khan did, yes, was really fucking bad. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at it from a strategic point of view, he was a master strategist. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of master strategists, uh, what's your video game Hall of Fame, Brandon? Oh, Give us do you one want or like five the most or... hours spent in my Steam, or do you want just my maybe, maybe, game? maybe, or just one that will always have that, have that special place in your heart? Again, it's like the pet card; it doesn't have to be the best. All right, like, you, you guys are gonna like this. Well, if you're like familiar it. with it, um, yeah, I like games. With heavy learning curves, I Crusader mean sheer, <laughs> sheer cliffs, sheer cliffs that just turn you off. That's my turn yes. off. Okay, so now, now that we've established that I'm trash and I'm okay with this, um, I play Eve online. I have oh, cool, yeah, nice. almost. Well, the year after it came out, so like uh, two thousand. I want to say like two thousand four or something like that. Two thousand three. 2004, 2005, something in that blur of time. I've been playing the game that long. Like, I can pilot a Titan. I've got, like, billions of quadrillions of ISK. Um, I still go in and play to this day. I have, you know, clan and stuff like that, or I should say a corporation that I'm with, and we (laughs) operate in, like, the black hole space and stuff like that, and we go through, you know, the wormholes and have a great time and stuff like that. That is a game that I come back to all the time. Over the course of Mm. everything I've played, I still come back to Eve because of how immensely immersive it is in an experience to play. Like, you, you, it has its own economy. You can build stuff. You can sell stuff. You can transport stuff. You can be a pirate. You can be on the side of good. You can be a marauder. You could be a, you know, a bounty hunter. You, you literally could be anything in that game. And it allows you to expressively be that 
thing, right? And if you find a corporation that supports you in the same ideology, then, you know, it's even more fun because you have people who are like-minded in that sense. And you'll be surprised at how many corporations are like that in the game. And then you get into, like, the epic wars and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I was with a small corporation, and we fought against the the goon squad and stuff like that. And um, that was that was crazy. I lost uh, $400 worth of ships in one day. Um, and <laughs> I didn't play for, like, almost a month after that. Far um, up. It, it, but it's just such a great fun game. But the learning curve on it is just mm. a, a sheer, cl- yeah. It's a sheer cliff. There's there's a couple of jokes and stuff like that that people make about you know what what the learning curve looks like of you know all the other MMOs out there and all the other games and uh, y- you look at uh, you look at Eve and it's just like <laughs> they make this yeah. like it's wall a, zero <laughs> hand holding. Yeah, exactly. And it's ah, uh, yeah, I, I love that. But it's it's the whole point that you know uh, it's infinitely more rewarding when when you kind of get into you've you've kind of extracted extracted the essence of it and you understand what it's about and then it's just going to reward you for so long. But and again, it's like this is what's so fascinating about it. Everyone's different with games, what they get out of them, whatever. And I think time changes over years too. I mean, that's mm. personally for sure. But um, and then what different games mean to you when they come out? Like, I don't have capacity to, you know, start that process again with many games at all. And and so it rarely happens. But yeah, I was just thinking. I said before, Crusader Kings Two is probably on compared to Eve, absolutely low level of of onboarding and you know obtuse mechanics, all that stuff. But it's still it's got a reputation for being that, and and that's one I always like enjoyed that process of going this i have no idea what the hell's going on but like mm-hmm. that discovery phase is actually like deep rewarding it's to me the as well best and, part. absolutely 100 yeah. percent the best part and there's a lot of games like it that aren't exactly mmos like um i'm a really huge fan of stellaris if you're not familiar with that it's yes like, yeah i was about to say that too it's well that's that's the crossover to um crusader kings because it's paradox and paradox mm-hmm. have a reputation of yeah making really obtuse games that are hard to, to you know work with but I played that on console and they did such a good port of that, like to do all these RTS controls on console. And it's like, it's really sweet, but it's just at the, at the end of the day, it's just a beautiful JPEG on your screen as well. Like Mm. having that on a TV with like all the solar systems, holy crap. But yeah, exactly. Like that's, it's so much fun. Like, and it's, it's just, you can find yourself doing, end up doing busy work for like six hours without realizing. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, it's really fun too, because uh, the reward is like so, so gratifying. Um, because yes. you yeah. you've you've put all this time into it, and you see what you've done come to fruition, and it's not just like oh, I clicked five things and I got the game winning unit. It's like yeah. you've methodically thought ahead enough to build an economy to support what you're creating, and not only that, but you have to perpetually keep it going because everyone else is expanding just as much as you are, yep. and it and it becomes this uh, strategic game of holding planets with resources making linchpins out of their their own systems and stuff like that and it's it's great it's a lot of fun and uh to say the least out of everything uh eve is my go-to guilty pleasure when it comes mm. to the game i've played the most 100 percent counter-strike i started in um 1.5 yeah. uh and 1.6 and then after 1.6 i um decided to compare competitively in it and uh in condition cool. zero uh i did cal i cal o and cal m and we got pretty far we got sponsored by pizza hut and although that sounds really cool <laughs> it was really really cheesy barring the pun yeah yep. uh, oh, and it, 
the sponsorship was I get one medium pizza once a month for free. Wow. That's yeah, yeah that was it. That's that's pretty medium, isn't it? Welcome to corporate. Yeah, it yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It was it was cool for a minute and then afterwards it's like this is the worst yeah. sponsorship ever. <laughs> Speak yeah, you don't earn much bread. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, Chesh, did you watch the latest Auntie Donna thing on YouTube about they uh they approach Domino's for a sponsorship? It's re- no. it's really good. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. It's very funny. So uh yeah, get in there. Yeah. Uh, in total I've that, put like, over a thousand hours into Counter Strike. Oh, dude, I would say more, right? Like it has to be more. Like I don't yeah. even think a thousand would do it justice. If, you, if you're you're playing it at that level, no way. Because I'm just thinking, like I used, I remember I played 500 hours of Morrowind, and I was like, even then, it's like yeah, that's doable. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh man, I just um, uh, I've said about it before, but the RTS game, sorry, um, uh, is it? A, no, you don't call it RTS. No, RPG. What am I saying? I'm a, I'm a moron. But it's a turn-based <laughs> RPG, Divinity Two. Uh, oh, I've been playing God. that as yes. a as a nice like comfort food lately, and I haven't played an RPG in ages. When you start up a nu- when you start up another Divinity Two Original Sin game, let me know. I will join you. We can play online together. I I bought Divinity about a month ago, and I now have a hundred plus hours into it. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. I just got off the uh, the tutorial, quote unquote, island last night, and I play I play games like this. I scout every bloody corner, and I know it's infuriating for people to watch, and probably why I don't stream. But I'm I'm looking at everything because there may be a hidden item around every corner. I realize the way that that game is elegantly made that there is ten different ways to get off that island, or there's ten different ways to find solutions to things. I somehow found them all. And collected mm. them all. You know what I mean? Like I found, I found the 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 way out in every every way. But I've done them all, and I've got all the items for doing so. Until I realized they were all largely redundant. <laughs> like I only need to do one. So I've just got off the tutorial island, and it's thirty one hours in. I was like, wow. But it's also, I'm like, what's the mainland gonna be like? I was like, this is a whole game in itself. Yeah. And so I'm I'm on the ship now, and I'm like, what the hell's going to happen after this? And and I'm seeing now why people say this is a 9.5, 10 out of 10 RPG, and I'm kind of looking forward to Baldur's Gate, that kind of thing now, because I feel like I never did my due diligence with um with turn based RPGs. I was always like, no, it's got to be action RPG or bust, and it's like now it's like this whole new world, and maybe it's me getting older and slower and enjoying like a pause between the action and thinking about what I'm doing, but. That game is deeply strategic too. Like you, the way you approach mm-hmm. a battle is like make a, you can get decimated if you don't do the right thing, oh, or you can have a really easy time. Like it's based on you thinking about how you're going to approach it. So love that. So no, sorry about the aside. Um, next one was recommend us an album. Let's 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 get back to music, I guess. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this. It depends on what you're looking for. Like what. What are you looking to listen to right now? Because I listen to a metric fuck ton of music. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as I always say, horses for courses, how you're feeling, whatever. Uh, the I'm always into prog rock, but I need slower things sometimes, and I also need ambient a lot of the time. Um, I yeah, depend like it's it's it all depends really. Like, do you want to do you want to speed things up, slow things down, whatever? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what's just something like generically you're vibing that um that that kind of sparked you? you know, in the last few years or something maybe, or, or something that's always been your favorite. Hmm. Uh, ooh, that's going to be hard. Uh, okay, so I watch the Metacritic billboard releasing every month, and I listen to every album that comes off of that on title. I remember um, you said this, yeah. 
Yeah, and so I do a lot of music discovery. I also dive into the deepest parts of YouTube to find some really crazy stuff. <laughs> yep. Something YouTube's that, a great place. Um, I loved when he first dropped his first music video, and it blew my damn mind. Uh, and uh, what I think he's been around for about a year now. I, th- I think uh, I think he's been around for a year. I gotta I gotta make sure before I spit hard facts. Um, Oh, yeah, two years. Okay, it came out two years ago. Cool. Uh, it is called Oliver Tree is the name of the artist. And mm-hmm. uh, the, the music video that I recommend that you go watch is all that, uh, and then just like an X like to tie them together, uh, Alien Boy. So all that and Alien Boy. It's two, two songs into one. Really, really great stuff. Solid music, very well produced, and the music video is just off the rocker like, what what did I just watch and can I watch more? Um, oh well, uh, and it's it's great stuff, a lot of fun. Um, in regards to albums, I think it really depends on what your nostalgia is. I will tell you my go to album that uh, I listened to as a kid that I got on a, a little tape cassette thing, and I still listen to this day is uh, Alice Cooper's Trash Album. <laughs> I think I've listened to that that album like a bajillion times is definitely my most listened to album that i that i have love it well there there, there it is music spellbook for uh Alice cooper is god yeah exactly i was like i want a cheshire's take on this one yeah exactly um chesh being the uh the rad goth is uh so Ooh, uh, wait, do you like industrial thing, music then really oh chesh freaking loves oh, industrial don't you yeah. <laughs> oh dude okay all right, all right. so Actually, no, let me preface this because um, I'm not a fan of Skinny Puppy. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's not real music anyways. Exactly. Um, okay, so Chesh, for you, uh, I want you to go look out for a band uh, that does industrial. It's M-A-T-T-E space B-L-V-C-K. And the song I want you to listen to mm-hmm. is Pure. The second song of theirs I want you to listen okay. to is Bear. B-A-R-E. Love it. Homework initialized. And they, they're very, they just came out this year and their stuff is just straight up banging. I love it. You you and Jeff are on like discovery waves of, you know, next level stuff and I love it. It's, oh, yeah. you know, Jeff, Jeff sent me something, an underground Melbourne DJ. I was like, what? I don't know about this guy. And then turns out a, a, a <laughs> Kate's like director of uh, her agency actually knows the guy and, and like <laughs> goes to weddings and sees him DJ. It's like, it's wild. This guy, Party Boy 69. So um, he's a bit of a meme. It's great. What was the name of the, what was the name of that band? M-A-T-T-E-B-L-V-C-K. It's all letters and numbers. Oh, okay. Yes. Two words. Yeah. Two words. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And then right. Pure I'm... is the first one I would tell you to listen to, and then Bear, B-A-R-E, is the second one I'd tell you to listen to. Mm-hmm. Now, re- report back next stream. Exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah, Jeff and I are big into music discovery, and we'll talk shit to each other about how, oh, your, your music taste <laughs> sucks or blows. But then in the background, him and I will actually sit down in like a Discord call, and we'll play music for each other for like hours on end. And Love it. Uh, we have various different tastes in music. But, um, you know, regardless of, of 
our various different tastes, we both see and appreciate what artists have done or what they've created, even if sometimes it's stupid and fucking silly or other times it's just you can feel the heart and soul it's put into like whatever they've made. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we, we that's my undertone with everything. There's there's soul to it, you know, like if there's if there's a there's a feeling there's like someone being boldly creative, it doesn't matter necessarily if it's great or anything like like fidelity wise good you know in a traditional sense but it's like if you can feel it no i i I like to extend that with everything in life if someone cared about it and saw something had a vision about it like it's like you know they they had an idea of how they wanted to be and like i don't know that's there's not enough of that in life i think there's like chase you know things that you, you really feel strongly about kind of thing like it's it's that is creative. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> yes, we use that one. But it's like, yeah, creativity is that. And I, I talk about it all the time. Like chasing it is hard. Like it's it's and doing it without being pressured or like influenced by too many outside factors that are prohibitive to it, like pressures, mm. that kind of thing. And that's that's kind of what I'm getting at for sure. So, and I, I think I, I like- it's I think it's important to to also talk about as an artist their best and their worst and something that i do that i Mm. do not expect anyone else to do is if an artist has a song that i like i will then go and listen to the discography of that artist or maybe the actual full album that they produced that that song was on because if Mm. if that was their best what does their worst sound like and not only that i might find a song that the mainstream hasn't pushed out that i like more than you know the song that they you know obviously have playing on the radio or whatever and yeah um, it's a great way to really discover how an artist thinks or how they produce music because you might find that after doing it, you realize that you are a huge fan of this genre or you don't give a shit about the genre. But I Mm. highly recommend spending the time to listen to a full album from an artist because you get perspective of what they've done or what they are trying to do with their music. Yeah, totally. And then the the main stuff may just have been done. Again, that's what I say about pressures. Like, the 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 kind of uh the intention for that main one may have been it's the the easiest radio cut and that some of the most enjoyable stuff may not have been as be may not be as friendly for radio just be like duration you know tone whether it gets into it straight away that kind of stuff like Mm -hmm. but infinitely more rewarding a lot of the time for sure so good note um next one is speaking of artists what's your favorite magic art my favorite magic art hmm don't be a simp for Earthbind. No, no. You've said of that. Course not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'll always say uh, most of the time it comes down to lands. Um, nice. Yeah, I like a lot of early Chris Rush stuff. Um, not me too. Not because of like its technicality, but because of its nostalgia from that standpoint. And uh, I think the ones that spark the most creativity and emotion out of me are ter- like Therese Nelson cards because they're just so full of everything going on in the scene that she paints and the i guess it really kind of pushes a lot of like other things into the art um outside of just obviously the subject or the main focus uh which is a Mm. lot of fun because you get a lot of environmental stuff obviously it's you know not great in the community right now but um Mm. you know the art itself is like very you know yeah separating the art very good yeah um yeah but that being said i think probably early oh yeah and i i think for the most part i think chris rush i think has a very special place in in my heart for stuff that um he's done uh if i had to pick just one art of his though mm, mm, 
that's kind of hard. I love all my uh, my Christopher Rush basics on the white borders. They're so good. Yeah, I I think some of his mountains I think are going to be my my favorite. <laughs> yeah, I think they're the ones too. I'm like, oh, I want Bob Ross to do some lands, and of course, yes, we fast forward and guess what's happening. Um, right. That's a that's a thing. Uh, some of them, I will say, there's some of the Bob Ross lands. I don't know. I don't know so much about some of the crops, but that's okay. Uh, we'll see. I don't need to buy them. It's it's cool they exist, I guess. So yeah, nice and, one. And I think uh, he did a. I think he did like an unset uh, land or something like that. It was really nice. Um, I just really, I just really like a lot of his his art and his lands and stuff like that. And I I think there was one set that he had. Uh, it was a, a pane of two or multiple um, lands that actually were one longer, like, image. Yeah, those are always super cool. Love, yeah. Loving a bit. Uh, Will, uh, I will attempt to move it on because uh, I know Chesh has to be somewhere pretty soon. And, and Chesh, feel free to uh, zoom off whenever you need to. Uh, but we're, we're nearing the end of the questions anyway. Um, what do we got? Next one. All right. Speaking of, recommend us a movie, Brandon. <laughs> How bad's your taste? Uh, oh, it can be pretty bad. Like, so bad it's good is sometimes really fun. Play nine from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, how about this? I'll go to... This is a question I ask a couple of friends and stuff like that. At the end of the world, there's only one movie you can watch for the rest of time. What is it? Right? Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. <laughs> and let's say because it's always hard to um it's always hard to pick just one movie. Let's yeah, let's totally. let's list five movies that you would save uh for the end of the world, let's say. Your your Desert Island mix, I guess, is, is it, exactly is Desert I- to. Island yeah, yeah. mix. I, I like that. Okay, so we're gonna go with the Desert Island mix. Um and uh my first pick is gonna be Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness absolute one of my favorite movies of all time it's silly it's stupid it's got one that is just army of darkness isn't it yeah it's just it's just a straight up how you say banger yeah um it's a banger and uh i i could i've watched this from the time that i can remember uh every month with my best friends we sat down we ordered a pizza and we all watched it together every month from the beginning of middle school all the way until past high school. Um, so I've seen this movie a bajillion times, and no matter how many times I watch it, it's flawless. Um, the next is going to be Donnie Darko. And the reason is, oh, is yeah. because that is a very <laughs> immense and heavy movie that no matter how many times you watch it, you can you can see stuff in the detail that was written that mm. you just you 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 expand upon. And yeah. one of the philosophies that me and my friends have come to to question in the movie whether it's you know by design or just you know us having fun um is how many times has donnie darko been through the loop of time to know that frank is the reimagination of his subconscious Mm. now think Mm, about that for a second because the first time he goes through the loop he still avoids death which puts him and resets his loop right Uh, But he never encounters Frank the first time because a lot of the events that happen throughout the movie are a result of him going through the process of discovering what Frank has led him to, which is only as a part of every time he's been around to remember what Frank, his subconscious, points him to. So every time he goes through a loop, how many times has he been directed to something new? And the question is then, 
how many times do you think Donnie Darko has been through the loop? Um, so yeah, it's it's a great movie that you could watch a billion times over and really really think about. And obviously, it was made with some creativity and stuff like that from the director. And it's not like a linear like this is how it is. It's you know it's up to interpretation and stuff like that. Yeah, in a, so, in a way that uh, some it's a great movie. I know, I know, could watch it over. Uh, and I was going to say uh, a lot of people might look at movies like that and bounce off it. Go, oh, I don't. It's been too weird and it's way too self indulgent. Like it's it's being too weird for its own good. And it's like no, it's you know it it does it does uh, prompt examination continued. So yeah, I haven't watched it in years, and I'm glad you said that because it's like there's I remember what you're talking about. I was like, actually, yeah, you're goddamn right. Like that's that's super interesting for sure. I need to go watch it um, now. Next is Pulp Fiction. Love Tarantino. Yeah, does great stuff. Um, me too. People ask me, like, why Pulp Fiction? Why not, like, some of his other stuff? And the reason is because Pulp Fiction, he he took from a lot of what existed in Hollywood cinema and created mm. it as his own. A lot of the scenes that come out of Pulp Fiction and the way that it's cut and, and stuff like that is not new to Hollywood. It's just different mm. than what was previously done in Hollywood. There's a lot of scenes that exist in there that just, you know, have been taken from other movies in the past and then just have been put together to make this collage and the way he writes the story i absolutely love and pulp fiction yeah, the, just has a very special place in my heart so 100 percent. the way it pieces together for sure I've, I've got a thing that um i think tarantino films can be or should be excellent stage plays absolutely i think they'd make great plays like often it is like you're in one like a reservoir dog thing you're in one scene absolutely. Uh, like a, hate, a hateful eight thing that too but I've I've seen a lot of stage shows where it doesn't matter about being in the one scene. Sometimes that is like the scene is the character in a way, and and mm-hmm. that's kind of it. Like the room is the character, and in like the lead character, and I always find those kind of themes interesting. Like an old Hitchcock movie for sure, but oh for sure. Then yeah, so, something like Pulp Fiction, you can absolutely then shift those around. But it's more what seem like I love the part where it seemed like disparate stories and threads kind of linked together, and and in a way that's cut like you say of nothing like that time for sure. Mm-hmm. nice uh next next on the list is saving private ryan which is just beautiful war movie the, it's got everything you i've need, never seen it actors <laughs> that you want to see i mean it happens i recommend you go watch it now uh I should, but yeah. uh it's just one of those that you know you could watch it time and time again and the essence and um the sentiment of what was written is just it's real you know it's what mm-hmm. it's what happened obviously the exact events of saving Ryan's privates didn't actually, you know, maybe become the mainstream <laughs> part of World War II. But what happens or what has had happened at in, in that war was just is a tragedy. And they they show mm. it really well of, of, you know, kind of what has gone on during that war. So uh, very well done. Masterpiece in, in war cinema, you know, 100% saving Private Ryan. Uh, last... And this is one that uh, I get into an argument with a lot of friends on whether it's one of the best gangster movies or contender for uh, is The Departed. Oh, I swear I've seen this. It's a great movie. It's really long. Uh, You got to sit through it. But um, when it comes to to mob movies and stuff like that, you got Casino and you've got Mm. like, you know. Godfather. There's just... well, there's Godfather, but there's like so many more that are just more um, engaging than mm. The Departed. But I think The Departed tells a really good story in the way that it's laid out in modern times. Uh, kind of feels a little bit more homey to me in that sense. 
Um, mm. And I, I just really love the movie. I think second to that for me would be American Gangster. Um, That's a great movie, yeah. And then probably third to that, like mob movie-wise, might be King of New York. I don't think I've seen but that yeah, one. So, uh, that one, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it is that one. Oh, yeah, it's Christopher Walken. Yeah, dang. All right, well, I've got a few movies to watch because there's two in that list I have not actually seen. Lawrence Fishburne, mm. too. Interesting, yeah. Um, and the, the Departed being a Scorsese, of course, and uh, yeah. with with a, a huge cast, great. But um, yeah, nice. I'm gonna watch some gangster movies, dude. Love it. Yeah. So cool, those cool. are those are the five end of the world movies that I would watch and rewatch time and time again if those are the only things I could watch. And if you could get a TV on this desert island, so we'll figure that out as well. Logistics aside, it's uh, right, electricity, it's like, whatever. We'll yeah, just yeah. milk some Have coconuts. You, you, yeah, I was gonna say you watch the Mighty Boosh, right? Uh, I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's the Desert Island uh, episode. It's one of the greatest things ever. It's very, very, very funny with Milky Joe. Uh, I'll move on, though. I'll move on. Uh, and, and, and. Oh, wait, again, wait, wait, wait a second. Yeah. I, I haven't heard from the so called Cheshire who plays games. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. About what? <laughs> you got About any what? questions for me, Chesh? Well, <laughs> I mean. I do have one question. All right, moving mm. on. All right, so, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, so... Uh, who's, who's Chris? Sorry, it's a, it's a joke. It's a meme. It's a joke. It's a bad joke. <laughs> I guess I'm the only one here with it. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, what, it triggers something in me because Chesh? I've been called Chris all my life because my brother's called Chris and everyone just thinks I'm Chris because I'm taller. Anyway. Do you remember the movie Dark Man? Yes. Okay, this had a whole series to it, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, it it ended up having a shitty series to it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, it's it's like one of the early Liam Neeson mm-hmm. films. What did you think of Dark Man? I thought it was. I rewatched it recently, and it was really yeah. Bad. I, but at the time, it was. Amazing. I I actually think that this is probably a solid seven out of ten, and the cool. only reason is mm-hmm. is because they're. They're making a movie and they're not try hard, but they're doing it to a point where it just feels that way. <laughs> yeah. And I always love movies like that. Like it doesn't take itself too ser- like seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sort of knows what it what it actually is. And like Ooh, to yeah. that point there's a there's another movie that kind of l- runs in parallel with that that is just as fucking cheesy and that's The Shadow with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> This is why me and Brandon get on so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I've got some stuff to watch. They're quite, what a shit movie. They're quite similar, aren't they, in a way? It's like what they're like character-wise. I'll also it's like, add to this yeah. that when you're looking at those style of movies, um, it's it's interesting when you figure that the Green Hornet, the recent Green Hornet movie from like, what, 10 years ago? Mm. Um, with Seth... Rogen. Seth Green? Seth Rogen. Fucking too many sets. McFarlane, Green, Rogan, um, <laughs> and Jet Li was ultimately the extension of those other two movies. There's one every decade yeah. mm-hmm. that has that feel, and that would be Green Hornet. You know, I, which I also watched recently, and actually kind of. It's not. Terrible. It's not the worst movie on earth, but I. I would. 
I struggle to want to rewatch Green Hornet. Well, yeah. But if you tell me, let's sit down and watch The Shadow, I'm all for it. You want to pull up The Phantom and get a bag of popcorn, I'm all for it. Yeah, that, like, that was my next one. I was like, it's going to be The Phantom, just, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's just so many like really fun, cheesy movies that came out around that time that just were just phenomenally well done in a way that just... I don't look at movies as like, you know, what do I rate it? You know, it's like, would yeah. I watch it again? And how much chorusing does it take for me to rewatch it again? You know, that's how I that's how I call a good movie a good movie because it's entertaining to me. It doesn't have to be entertaining to anybody else. It has to be entertaining to me. And with that in mind, like, will I rewatch it? No, you're going to have to like pay me a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Then, you know, like that's that's not a great time. Right. But. If it's something I'm going to watch because it makes me laugh, because it's cheesy, it's stupid, it's got no material, it's just got no material to it, and I would Super still watch cheese. it, yeah. then I, it's a guilty pleasure, and I would, I would call it a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it, dig it. All right, Chesh, you got the next one? Do, do, do. Uh, I mean... I mean, yeah. That would require me having it. No, that's okay. I'll do it. It's, front of it's the Pokemon me. one, you know that. I know, I just brought it up. Ah! Uh, do you have a favorite Pokemon? Absolutely. Ash's Pikachu is the biggest asshole in the show, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. I wholeheartedly endorse this. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> this P- Pikachu oh. taught me how to treat my friends like trash and still come out alive. So, um, definite hero of my of my youth watching Pokemon. That being said. I saw Sailor Moon before I ever saw Pokemon, so mm. Tuxedo, Tuxedo Pikachu mask. right now is like kind of going through my head. <laughs> so it's like it's like, oh, my work here is done, but you didn't do anything exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite it. thing. It's like, oh wait, he didn't do anything. <laughs> he just showed up, threw a rose, yeah. and then just bounced or got his yeah, salad. I am magnificent. Yeah. He's he's kinda <laughs> like the guy in those movies we're talking about. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he's very he's like he's wearing the hat he's got the cape yeah exactly it's like i'm here <laughs> oh well tuxedo mask what a jerk uh it's great um that is that's such good answer for sure that the you know uh ashes ashes pikachu for sure i haven't heard, i haven't i've never thought about it that way and uh i know enough about pokemon to know what you're talking about it's great um cool cool all right last one we have here is in just a few words to round it all out Brandon, what does magic mean to you? Mm, I think it's a lot less of what magic means to me and what magic has done for me. Um, yeah. I think that's a better way for me to look at it because I can hang out with my friends whenever, right? But uh, being able to branch out that friendship by using magic as the the lightning rod, you could say, as to yeah. the people that I interact with now um has been very impactful um i wouldn't get the opportunity to know you guys or you know a lot of people that i met through magic or doing sitting down games with random people and finding out we have like a lot of things in common and then you know going from there so um i think magic is something that if it wasn't in my life i don't think i would be as open as accepting as you know being as creative as I am now or as um, driven to help others, I think magic has really done a lot for me in expanding my, my character as someone who is just more of a, how do you, how do you say it? It's like kind of, 
kind of having that experience of unconditional love except for for a community and people who play it opposed to just you know my mom or my dad right um, mm, this goes mm. to like everybody I meet now and, and it's really played a large part in my life of you know being that catalyst of you know expanding out of my element growing with it learning from it you know uh, getting friendships learning how to you know not only use the game as a learning resource for me and and just so you know I'm I have ADD, ADHD, and dyslexia. Reading is not easy for me. When I was growing mm. up, the best way for me to read was to read magic cards. And reading comprehension goes out the window when you have, you know, dyslexia and stuff too. So it it also was a a point for me to learn English. And I know that sounds really stupid and really cheesy, but it really got mm. me to read more, which for me was as hard as it was, was really great because it, you know, I had to think about it way more and the reading comprehension, although it was hard in the beginning, became easier. And uh, it, it magic has just done a lot for me in my life that I cannot replace by just saying it was just the game. It was more than a game to me. It was it was the lifestyle that brought me to where I'm at kind of today with a lot of a lot of things. Mm. No, that's a fantastic answer. And um uh yeah, it's the type of thing I was going to say, I always have these comments on education and uh, I think overall, a lot of places, the education systems have a long way to go and understanding that everyone learns in absolutely different ways and that it's sometimes it's a reward thing and like what's what's the, the conduit to which you're learning, you know, in an educational sense and, uh, and, and that's the kind of one and an example too. It's like, uh, I've seen a lot of it. It's like, yeah, if, if someone uh, with with kind of, difficulties in some way or they're not kind of grasping onto the the content you know uh say they're in primary school or whatever and teachers in a traditional sense going oh no they're they're challenged or what like you know whatever it's like no i think the educational system needs to look at different ways to uh accept that everyone learns a different way for sure and that's that's a really interesting you know analog it's like it's the magic cards totally do that and and they are they're enough of a hey here's a visual thing a cue and uh almost a reward as well but um yeah that's i I just had a thought dude i I feel like doing a super cut of these uh you know answers to the what does magic mean to you question and uh you know (laughs) because what we're 20 episodes in a bunch of those with guests and i've got some of the best answers and yours i i absolutely adore and it's i love you use the word lightning rod i use the word conduit a lot same deal and it's Mm -hmm. it's you know here's here's the what we're here for to connect and here's you know, uh, every everything outside of that essentially, you know, is is a byproduct of we we gathered for this, and you know, it's not all encompassing. Our whole world is not magic, and that's the important part. So, you know, you know, friend, the the, the feelings mutual for sure. Like it's, I wouldn't have these opportunities without the game, and I accept. Like that's that's what I'm appreciative of for sure. So, nice one, man. Love yeah. it. Um, and with that, Chesh has just zoomed out because uh, again, he uh, he's got some plans and uh, he's he's got to zoom out to uh, uh, an appointment uh, with some Digimon. Uh, that's fine. I can I can read oh. off Chesh's uh, creds at the end, and that's fine. But he won't get to tell us about his uh, entertaining um, kind of subject this week. So we we usually sign off all episodes with an entertaining section, which is just anything non-magic media related uh, that has our tastes and attention at the moment. Uh, and he had Young Justice, which I'm sure he'll talk about next next week, whatever. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll hand the mic over to you there, Brandon, and, and, and let me know if there's anything you've been vibing on this this past week or month or whatever, like something quite more um, 
recently that you feel feel like uh, you know talking about? So I'm an anime trash boy. So if you want to talk anime at me, Hell and, yeah. uh, we'll we'll go at it for hours, just yeah. hours. But outside of that, I've been going through uh, a lot of TV shows that I saw like earlier in life or whatnot, and I'm going back and rewatching all of them. And I just finished all the seasons of MacGyver, and I just started Ooh. all the seasons of Highlander. Um, yeah, and uh, I go through this, and I do I just w- one backlog. I'll put it up, and I'll just put it on in the background while I play like various different games and stuff like that. But I, I've been rewatching a lot of old TV shows in addition to all the stuff that's releasing in the current anime schedule. Um, if you're interested to see what those are, you can go head over to um, our Discord, uh, which I'm sure some link will be somewhere. Um, oh, but we have an anime for sure. channel for supporters, uh, and I post up every quarter what I will be watching for the quarter, as well as I have recently started doing a weekly backlog. So every week I'm going to recommend an anime show, tell you about it, why I like it, so on and so forth, um, just to get people more engaged into seeing older stuff that's actually really good too. Mm. Um, and I think uh, in regards to Young Justice, go watch Titans. Uh, on the DCU, which is a live-action kind of version of Young Justice. Um, and uh, check that out. That's I, I'm not huge into comics, but I'm a pretty big comic book nerd myself. Uh, love all of the Lobo stuff. I think Lobo's my favorite anti-hero. Yeah, nice, nice. And and again, I uh, you know, we'll get Chesh to chime in uh, later sometime. We'll jump on the stream and whatever, and, and keep keep that chat going for sure. But yeah, same here. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll always be like, oh, I don't have that much to add to the the comic book scene or anything. Like, definitely like it, but not the biggest. And then anime, it's it's I love it. I love anime, but I feel like a novice. You know what I mean? Like, it's I'm I'm a you know traditional Ghibli person, I guess. Like, Norseka is my favorite movie of all time. You know, lo- love Cowboy Bebop, of course. Like, who doesn't? Mm. Um, but like more, more, more recently, it's you know the bigger ones like Attack on Titan, of course, and that's that's a great one. But um, you know, I know that's still a uh, a wellspring of stuff that I still have to dig right into. Like, there's so much. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's there's a there's an anime for everyone, I guess, is is the way. I think even Chesh mm-hmm. may have put it that way. I think it is absolutely true. Um, like I remember, oh, what was it? There was there's one about a jazz band, and I was like, this is really sweet really really good um mm-hmm. you know it's it's not all necessarily mechs which mechs freaking rock they do but um you know there's there's lots of different stuff is that basketball one as well there's a, one's there's called. a lot of them if you want to talk about music there's like so many out there there's um <laughs> yeah a more recent one is they got like a bunch of really like good artists together and they pretty much made an ost to this anime that just was really good um there's also if you like classical anime like classical music yeah. in, in anime uh Narume Cantabelle is a really good one phenomenally mm-hmm. well done it's kind of like a little bit older but um 100% go watch it I, I i think it's it's more about expanding your likes and dislikes when you get started before you start yeah you know, don't don't really define them straight up exactly and i, I yeah that's that's the thing we've even gone into with with deck building with commander and stuff we've talked mm. to some people uh, me and you actually and we're like well someone goes this is the way i like to play i might just try and just run like a voltron deck or just run a you know something else a graveyard reanimation deck just try something that's <laughs> like what you don't think you're going to enjoy mm-hmm. and you, you may yeah exactly it's i think that's that's the key with a lot of things like just 
don't don't write yourself off straight up because oh yeah here's one i i got into i watched quite a few episodes of it but really cool the is it mushishi oh yeah the sake and the spirits like that's Mm -hmm. super super cool i love that a lot for sure yeah a lot Um, of it comes out of uh, japanese lore and stuff like that that just yeah yeah exactly exactly might learn some of the about some of those kadamas and stuff very cool. Uh, I love it. Here's MacGyver. That was yeah, it was absolutely epic, and that's a fun show to watch. And and I like I, the the fact that this is true. And I've I've explained this, and some people are like, well, your your mind goes on a different speed or whatever, it just needs too much stimulation. But I've was was what you're saying. You basically like you switch that on, and you can ambiently absorb that in the background while you're doing other stuff. And it's you know that's that's absolutely true with a lot of stuff. If I watch it that way, it's like you're playing a game or you're doing something, you're building a deck, something else, but you've absorbed MacGyver in the background or Highlander in the background, essentially. Yeah. Like well, I started this yeah. year off with uh, 15 seasons of Law and Order SVU. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. And like, it's it's a, not a slog because, you know, if it was a slog, you wouldn't enjoy watching it. But it's like, you know, these, these episodes aren't going to watch themselves. And so it's a, it's a background thing. And I think that's a really comfy place to watch shows like, hey. Kate, my wife, has uh, Gilmore Girls on. Like she often goes through that. And Wait, the nine. new or the old one? Nah, no, the the full Gilmore Girls like thing. Because the new season's just like one. It's like five episodes or ten episodes or something, and it's just like a yeah. reunion thing. But yeah, like the the the, the nine whatever seasons, mm, and it's, mm-hmm. it feels like it's been going for months. But in a fine way, it's good. It's well, good. at least like, it's not it's, charmed. <laughs> well, I've never watched. I haven't watched that since. Yeah, I was, I was a kid, and it's I can't remember what merits that show has or anything um if if any <laughs> i knew i knew some like older people were into it like you know teenagers when i was a kid like were into it and it was like super cool but yeah exactly um yeah macgyver is the big cheers for me though like freaking richard dean anderson what a dude <laughs> i know and then he went on I to make it. 10 seasons of uh, stargate sgu stargate yeah yeah exactly no man this oh, sorry not sgu to- just sg1 sorry <laughs> dude dude what a crossover stargate sbu <laughs> Right. Oh my god. Yeah, sci-fi special special victims unit or whatever it is. That's uh, it's crazy because I've watched all of the Stargates too, like SG One, Atlantis. Yeah. I think is still one of my favorites. Like, uh, you know, SG One was massive and built the universe that you know they they roll mm. upon. But Atlantis had such a unique premise to it in the way that it started, and then they tried to do SVU almost like that. You know, they're on an island kind of thing with the ship, and you know that kind of had a good start, but I think it kind of fell off after a while once I think they lost a little bit of direction. But yeah, Dude, what a phenomenal like sci-fi yeah. kind of and universe I, I still, that they built. I still need to run back through that one. And it's actually like my nanny used to watch that and, um, you know, bless us all when she was alive. And, and, and it's just, yeah, that's that's a memory I have. And, and I still haven't gone back and watched the whole thing yet. But I know it's, it's the type of thing. Like you said, the law and order thing is like, well, get, get straddled in for 10 seasons far out. Like it's it's a... It's a big one. So I know there's a lot of stuff uh, that I've, I've got to do my due diligence and get into. And, and Chesh keeps saying uh, Star Trek for sure. And it's like a bit different pockets of it. And I, I always enjoy those conversations, and especially if I'm at the periphery of them hearing too, because someone will be like, oh, Atlantis this or SG1 this and merits for both, whatever. But they'll have their favorites. And and uh, what was the saying last week with um, Davey? I never like to just absolutely flat out agree with anyone all the time. Like having having a difference of opinion is what makes things fun for sure. So, um, love it, dude. I do so much media talk. I love it, and and thanks for that. So, 
the one I had this week, albeit briefly, was the only thing I watch all week, actually. I haven't had much time to do much else. But um, have you seen this week's episode of The Mandalorian? Mm, not this week's. Uh, I'm catching up on that because I've been watching Discovery. Uh, I'm two episodes behind on Mandalorian. I'm watching Discovery. I'm watching Wandering Rich, King's Raid, Standing on a Million Lives, Juten- er, sorry, Jiu-Jitsu Tensin. Family Guy, Simpsons, Walking Dead, Beyond, <laughs> High School. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon? Uh, I'm rewatching The Twelve Monkeys, the actual TV series. Uh, just oh. finished uh, the eleventh season of Archer, and watching Golden Kunemi, and obviously just finished MacGyver. I am now watching uh, Highlander, and I started Black Sails with my girlfriend. Yeah, I've I've had that on my list for ages too. Man, you were a TV fiend, and like you, you, you watch some stuff. And it, I, I think that's super interesting. So yeah, hop in the hop in the lexicon Discord and see some of this chatter for sure. If any of those uh, names ring true with uh, what, what you're into, folks, listeners. But um, I'll, I'll keep the Mandalorian synopsis synopsis pretty brief so as not to spoil anything because it's. I'll just say I, I you know everything is subjective, of course. But I adored this episode. Like it was. This is the one that uh, it does take a massive turning point in. It feels like some of the episodes are just flash in a pan, like little space adventures, you know, isolated occurrences that you can most mostly omit, but you're just enjoying watching little baby Yoda, you know, dink around the, the galaxy with, with uh, you know, Mando and the misadventures. Uh, but this is one where, and it, it makes sense being episode five, where I think they're 10 episode seasons. Uh, this is like the big fulcrum of the, the, um, the, what do you call it? The season where things like a lot of questions get answered uh it's 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 a big epic thematic turning point as well uh there's i'll say there's jedi action for the first time which is really cool uh and chesh was even saying the one last week he said it was a bit of a dog's breakfast it was fine it was the one carl weathers directed um really interesting i'll say when you watch it there's a ton of original uh trilogy nostalgia so i i, I was i was dissecting it with kate and i was like the thing that works I think more more than anything in Star Wars for nostalgia is the sound effects, and it's mm, it's mm-hmm. the reason. Uh, do you remember Battlefront? Is it Battlefront, the, mm-hmm. the first person shooter or whatever? Mm-hmm. I never got to play it. I, I think I played a demo, and I was like, "Yeah, cool." It's, I, I probably won't because it's the type of game where you just die and respawn, die and respawn, and nothing eventually happens, or you don't feel like you have any agency over anything. That's fine. It's more just being like to getting a postcard from the place, and like you're living in that world. Um, in, in some of those battles from like original trilogy or whatever, but that game did sounds more like better than anything. And that's your, you're a kid hearing the, 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 you know, the blaster noises and, and the X wing and that, you know, those noises are so evocative. And this episode for the Carl Weathers directed one, very much that it's a bit of a throwaway episode. It does actually start to explain a few things. I, I think actually, no, it, it does, but there's a lot of those little moments where it's like almost recreating a little like, and New Hope moments in a really funny way. And you'll laugh when you see it because you're like, ah, they're doing that sound from the reactor. Ah, they're doing that sound from when, you know, uh, Luke and Luke and Han jump in the, uh, the the turrets on the Millennium Falcon. And, like, they're doing that and, like, you know, just in a, in a little thing. And it's like, and I wonder if that was, to me, it seemed like Carl Weathers going, we want a nostalgia bomb. This is what I loved Star Wars growing up. So, but I will say that episode five is where, yeah, again, it's the best episode I've seen the whole thing. It is Don't get flipping cocky, outstanding. Kid. Hey, 
That's yeah, it. Don't, yeah, don't, don't get, get cocky, cocky, kid. Exactly. I th- I'm pretty sure there's even a quote where he replaces that, and it's Carl Weathers in the turret, and I think he's always just wanted to do that. And it's like, you know, I can understand because it's like, do you remember when Samuel L. Jackson said, uh, I, I just wanted to accept any any role in a Star Wars movie just to be a part of it. I'll be any extra whatever. And this is when the prequels came out and they're like, you can be a Jedi master. And he's like, holy crap, this is the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> I think it's like Carl Weathers has always just wanted to be a part of it, sounds like. so. Uh, but yeah, the episode five, it, like I say, turning point, I think it's just art direction wise as well. Uh, it's holy crap. It's, uh, it's evocative of, it's got that Western stuff going on in a really good way, but it's got, you know, Kurosawa. So like the seven samurai and stuff like mm-hmm. the it's it's got a lot of japanese tones in a way that is really satisfying in a way i just actually read into kurosawa movies turned into fistful of dollars a new hope things like that there was like a lot of the themes in kurosawa movies turned into other movies uh as like appropriations or like you know just using the thing or you know kind of putting it into a different like western audience that kind of thing and so there's a lot of like links there but you've got this incredible japanese tone of of like if you can imagine like the setting is is very much like a tenchu level as well mm. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, i'll go even further as like it remind me a lot of uh in princess mononoke the the big encounter with La- lady eboshi and iron town and i'll leave it at that because it's just it's mm, it's incredible the the art direction is so good and my favorite part of the credits at the end of those episodes are the um like the concept art because you see how close, you know, and I'm pretty sure they were done before they filmed it, but it's like, oh, this is the vision and this is how they realized it. And it's just, you know, I've said it before, but Mandalorian is the closest thing to original trilogy Star Wars in my mind and, and in the best way. So, yeah, it, it's good. Go watch it. <laughs> For sure. But um, I, I think we better wrap this up. We've been a solid two hours. We we didn't do three and a half like with, with Jeff that time. Uh, I not that I'm trying to rein these in too much because I feel if the conversation goes on in a good way, I'll just keep it going. And and I just I cherish the the opportunity to hang out with you and and anyone we have on the show. And and so I can't thank you enough, Brandon, for enlightening us with uh, for some amazing profile kind of topics. But also, you know, some of those things I love to get into with Commander, which is building alternatively, creatively, that kind of thing. And and you know finding your path for sure so until next time where can the people find you brandon um well i live in a house so that's a good place to start (laughs) um but outside of that um you know all joking aside you know come check us out we're mtg lexicon you know the dive bar of edh um our normal catchphrase is you can find us here for some filthy drunken casual commander uh doesn't necessarily mean that we drink all the time but just that we drunk we're, we drink and we have fun and whatnot but what um you can check us out on twitch uh tv forward slash mtg underscore lexicon we have a youtube just mtg lexicon and um we have a great time i encourage you to come check us out even if you just keep us in the background it's also great content to listen to we do a lot of shit talking and we we do have a lot of fun and there's a lot of love there um if you have questions if you're just getting into magic or you're you're exploring the community and stuff like that there are a ton of people that watch our stream that are happy to help you as much as we are and it's like this giant ball of love when you get there because there's a place for everybody with us and we don't we don't segregate anyone or you know Mm. tell them get out or you know stuff like that unless obviously you're being toxic but um 
the the community itself also helps others too. So it's not just us. It's a, just a great place to hang out and be. And I highly recommend that if it's the one place you stop by and just peek for a second, just check it out. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I absolutely, uh, you know, concur there and, and extend that kind of recommendation that it's just, it's the place where no one's going to talk down to you. And and that's super refreshing. And uh, yeah, it should be just the way everywhere, but you know, sometimes it feels like it's not. So, um, and, and also, like you say, it's like the, the conversations that come out of the games sometimes are just so entertaining that, I can't remember who said it, but the, one of the best parts of like Commander is when the the conversation's just booming and you're playing Commander and it's not stalling or anything, but you forget you're playing Commander because it's just like four people hanging out. And then, of course, the added in Twitch, it's usually 50 people in chat as well and yeah. having an awesome time. <laughs> like, it's sick. And it's just, I, I love it. Like, sick in a good way. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's my favorite place. I, I'm not going to lie to to Aww. hang out uh, for, for Commander content and just magic in general. So, it's, you know... Uh, keep doing what you're doing for sure and look forward to whenever it happens when the, we haven't talked about the world not being normal because we don't need to say anything else about that but there's going to be a the 24-hour stream whenever that can happen i imagine mm-hmm. which is the what's the milestone for that is it episode numbers or it's the amount of years in the anniversary that we hit with uh, that. Um, true true we start we started i believe just before command zone going live with our very first episode one wow uh Please don't watch it. It's atrocious. Um, <laughs> I did. I did. But that being said, <laughs> uh, but that being said, I mean, uh, we we did twenty four hour streams for the past couple of years, and it is grueling. It is brutal. And this year, with the holidays and everyone's like job status and stuff like that going up and down, uh, we've decided to push it from December to January. Um, so we're gonna have our 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 giant stream on Saturday. And instead of doing 24 hour, we're going to do two 12 hour stints. Um, because in the wee hours of, you know, existence, not everyone's going to be there. Not many people are, are watching us cause they're sleeping or they go to work mm. or whatever. So for us, we've decided that we're just going to do two 12 hour stints between two days. So Saturday, Sunday, and then we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to do the 24-hour stream again uh because that was grueling and brutal, but we are going to yeah. do a lot of games. We're going to do some talking points and podcasts where we're going to have people come in and just, you know, uh, talk, tell us about, you know, what what they're doing, you know, so on and so forth, as well as I think we're going to do um some sealed uh Commander Legends. We're going to bust out some Battle Bond. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's not just commander. It's going to be some other formats I think mixed in there as well. Uh, I think someone was talking about trying to do some popper games and stuff like that too. Um, and then we're going to try and have, um, a bunch of guests join us, uh, that are other content creators that have really, you know, helped us in the community or that we just love playing with in general. And, um, it's going to be a great time and I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope to see you and, uh, Chesh there. Uh, as well, I, I would not miss uh, since it. We'll I, be doing like twelve-hour stints. I'm sure we'll find a, a yeah. time that lines <laughs> up with you guys. Yeah, I, I, as I said, when that date <laughs> releases, when that uh, date releases, it, I'm marketing to my calendar, and, and it's the most important commander date in my uh, in my list. I think. <laughs> Hell yeah! And uh, for everybody else listening, or people who want to join, come in, have fun. Our Discord has like an LFG channel where people just connect and play games, like through Discord or through Spell Table. Um, and you should you should play along with us. Have us in the background. Play some games with people. Um, you know, a lot of the biggest part of like you know the community aspect is just getting in there and just doing it. Um, no one will yeah. judge you for whatever you do. And you know, 
obviously rule zero keep the games to how you all agree but um yeah we we just love participating in what we do so much that we want to help everybody else get there as well so um yeah love it full stop and completely agree um you can find chesh i'll say i'll have to do his uh his outro because he's not with us at the moment that's fine but you can find chesh at uh cheshire plays on the facebooks and the twitters i believe is is the place to see his, his ramblings about things um he's, he's a lovely australian don't worry he's he's, he's a huggable <laughs> even though he can he can seem like he's got a graphic exterior sometimes but uh he's my favorite critic i'll say uh cheshire plays games on youtube and twitch as well so um he does stream a bit as well does command of the distancing that kind of thing uh you can find me at past the jam sam on the twitters and the instagrams uh however you can find the podcast on twitter at cmdr underscore crunch on instagram at cmdr crunch the website is cmdrcrunch.fireside.fm if you haven't seen that already and if you want to send us thoughts feedback suggestions pictures of cephalids whatever you feel like send them to cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com and that is that is all our creds and, and things whatever but until next time thanks so much for joining us brandon i've been wanting to have this chat for ages and i'm sure we'll continue having it of course um the amount of times like i said we finish a game on a on a stream whatever and we just stay in chat for you know what seems like a stupid amount of time and i'm sure it's four in the morning your time if that happens and it's just it's just good so (laughs) i congratulate you on keeping this this short (laughs) (laughs) yeah no two hour episodes pretty short for us great so uh but yeah thanks for being you and thanks for cultivating that community you have and 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 making lexicon the place it has been and a welcoming place because uh that that you can't speak volumes about that enough so um yeah just just hey man, thanks thanks for being a part of it i mean you're a part of the community just as much as we are or anybody else and you know having people that are just as supportive or who echo that you know sentiment of how we built the community it just it it feels really good to know that you're not the only one exactly exactly so yes until next time i'll my my advice will just be uh do do what Brandon does and, and troll through a uh, a twenty thousand card list of uh, <laughs> of random cards and until you see something that spikes your interest and does that no one's ever seen before, give that a go. Find the hidden gems. Any advice you have for our listeners, uh, Brandon? Yeah, uh, don't be afraid to make a fool of yourself and do something you've never done before in magic. In magic. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say that sometimes <laughs> it's a le- within reason. That's a level up in life, anyway, <laughs> for sure. Uh, right, yeah, so. I mean, don't be afraid to do it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, take care, friends. Bye.